0: Good morning and welcome to the Airbus of America first quarter results. With us today we have Mr. Grant Schock, Chief Executive Officer of Airbus of America, Mr. Chris Pitsakakis, Chief Operating Officer and President, Mr. Daniel Gagnon, Chief Financial Officer, Mr. Patrick Callahan, Chief Executive Officer of Airbus Defense Group, and Mr. Chris Fiegel, Executive Vice President and General Counsel. I would now like to turn the conference over to Mr. Grant Schock, please go ahead, sir.
1: Thank you, Operator. Uh, good morning, everybody, and thank you for joining us for the Airbus Q1 conference call. My name is Glenn Schock, and I'm the Chairman and CEO of AirBoss. As the Operator mentioned, Chris Fige- uh, Bitsakakis, President and COO, uh, Daniel Gagnon, our CFO, Chris Figuel, our Executive VP and General Counsel and Patrick Callahan, CEO of Airbus Defence Group are on the line with me. In terms of an agenda, we'll take a few minutes to review some operational highlights of the quarter, uh, briefly review our financial results before opening the call to questions. Before we begin, I'd like to remind you that today's remarks, including management's outlook for 2020 and beyond, anticipated financial and operating results, our plans and objectives, and our answers to your questions may contain forward-looking information within the meaning of applicable securities laws. This forward-looking information represents our expectations as of today and accordingly is subject to change. Such information is based on current assumptions that may not materialize and is subject to a number of important risks and uncertainties. Actual results may differ materially and listeners are cautioned not to place undue reliance on this forward-looking information. A description of the risk that may affect future results is contained in Airboss's annual MDNA, which is available on our corporate website and in our filings with uh, Canadian Securities Administrators on CDAR at www.cdar.com. Uh, without further ado, I will turn this call over to Chris Fitsikakis, our President, for the operational review.
2: Thank you, Gren, and good morning, everyone. Before turning to the operational review, I want to take a moment to recognize the tremendous impact the COVID-19 pandemic is having on businesses, communities, families and citizens around the world. We know this is a difficult time for many of you and the thoughts of the Airbus family are with all those affected by this global tragedy. Airbus has been fortunate to have much of its operations designated essential with a number of our products deemed life saving. I want to acknowledge the sacrifices and efforts of our employees many of whom have continued to perform their duties under modified conditions, with the added professional and personal stress associated with this pandemic. We are committed to doing all we can to keep our employees safe during this difficult time, and we continue to review and refine our operating policies in accordance with the latest medical guidance. Finally, I want to express our gratitude to all those who are on the front lines of this battle, those providing essential services, and those looking to find solutions that will ultimately allow the world to move safely towards recovery. Thank you. Uh, Moving on to our results, Uh, the first quarter of 2020 got off to a strong start as we closed the transaction that merged Critical Solutions International Inc. with AirBoss' defense business, creating the AirBoss Defense Group. The rationale behind forming ADG was to assemble an enhanced survivability platform able to more effectively market an enhanced portfolio of products around the world. At the end of the quarter, we received a U.S. dollar $96.4 million contract from FEMA in the U.S. to supply 100,000 PAPRs along with 600,000 filters and related accessories. This contract award highlighted the increased strength of ADG as our newly assembled team was able to act on a rapidly emerging opportunity to help fight the ongoing battle against COVID-19 by providing first responders and medical personnel with life-saving personal protective equipment. We began delivering against the FEMA order order early in the second quarter, promptly shipping the PAPR units we had in inventory. As part of our company-wide continuity planning for COVID-19, our supply chain team went out to existing key suppliers, while also identifying surge capacity availability, when it became clear that the pandemic had the potential to interrupt existing supply chains. On that basis, our newly expanded supply chain is working closely with us to help accelerate production make the shipments necessary to deliver on this large contract in a relatively short period of time. The schedule envisions an exponential ramp in deliveries as we move through the second quarter. Production volumes continue to grow, and we expect shipments to accelerate accordingly through June. successful delivery against this contract is expected to offer a financial offset to any potential COVID-19-related weakness we could see in our other business units during the second quarter. While an element of ADG's go-forward strategy was to improve its penetration of the first responder market in particular, we believe that governments, healthcare providers, and first responder groups will face increased scrutiny around their emergency preparedness measures as a direct result of the COVID-19 pandemic. The specter of a second wave of COVID-19 cases globally, as well as the potential for future unrelated outbreaks, are expected to help drive increased levels of preparation and stockpiling of key supplies at the local, regional, and national level. The first responder market has historically been characterized by significant fragmentation among services and complex distributor relationships. Going forward, we expect this model to fundamentally change and be replaced by a more unified and streamlined approach aimed at reducing complexity, shortening acquisition timelines, and building strategic stockpiles. In the face of this changing environment, ADG intends to modify its business development approach to focus on developing relationships with key decision makers at successively higher levels within both both first responder and government networks. Beyond the significant and emerging potential in emergency preparedness, there remain meaningful opportunities in the broader defense arena, where Airbus has played historically. ABG continues to bid on hundreds of millions of dollars in tenders globally, with a focus on our chem, bio, or CBRN gloves and boots, as well as our new low-burden masks. ABG is also working to advance new products into commercialization. As an example, exposure to blast overpressure is increasingly being recognized as a contributor to brain injury and PTSD, and driving hundreds of millions of dollars in treatment costs, as well as raising significant quality of life concerns for veterans. Blast Gauge is a wearable sensor that measures exposure to blast overpressure and uploads data to a soldier's medical file for assessment by staff physicians. Blast Gauge is currently in the midst of a multi-year trial with the U.S. military, and we believe there is strong political will to find a solution to monitor and manage potential traumatic brain injury among soldiers. Over the last couple of years, Congress has used federal law to direct the Secretary of Defense to, among other items, conduct a medical study on blast overpressure exposure during both combat and training exercises, and establish limitations on heavy weapon fire exposure during training, document blast exposure history and service member medical histories to determine if future illness or injury is service connected, and inform on blast exposure risk mitigation efforts. Widespread rollout of blast gauge could translate into a significant source of recurring revenue for ADG. AVG has also recently announced an award to the Netherlands Defense Material Organization for 500 bandolier multi-purpose lightweight clearing charge systems and related training and support. This modular product is lighter and more flexible than previous solutions and is versatile enough to be used in a variety of battlefield breaching and clearing scenarios, including clearing a path through minefields, further promoting ABG as a key su- player in, sur- in soldier survivability the netherlands is the first nato country to purchase the Bandelier system and this contract establishes a model that the 30 nato members could use to acquire their own systems turning now to our engineered product segment the late in late march we saw a number of oems as well as tier one part suppliers move to shutter production in an effort to protect their employees and stakeholders in the face of the rapid initial spread of covid 19. in parallel we likewise made the decision to close our auburn hills facility and took immediate steps to manage our variable costs, laying off hourly employees and shortening work hours for salaried staff. In spite of the closures, we immediately began working to mitigate the impact, accelerating our strategy to begin producing certain molded defense products at this facility. This has in turn supported a return to work for some staff and will help utilize unused manufacturing capacity until our NVH business is fully up and running again. While in the immediate near term, this will support ongoing deliveries against the Mallow boot contract we won last year. It could also support production and delivery against future contracts for a range of molded rubber defense products, including our low-burden mass. We're also in the process of setting up a production line to increase production of PAPRs as we continue to deliver on the FEMA order. These initiatives would run alongside our ongoing efforts to transition the engineered products business towards higher value, more technically sophisticated solutions And diversify into sectors adjacent to the automotive space. Finally, we are pushing ahead with the installation of the new robotic work cell in Auburn Hills. This was an important part of our investment in innovation and advanced manufacturing in 2019 and is designed to support further improvements in labour allocation and margins. This equipment has been tested and approved in Germany and will be shipped and reassembled in Auburn Hills in the second half of the year. Turning to rubber solutions, In response to the COVID-19 pandemic, we did see some customers, particularly in the tire space, elect to close their operations. We did not see a significant impact from these closures in Q1, given they fell near the end of the first quarter, and actually saw volumes grow compared to Q1 of 2019. We worked to rapidly obtain essential status for many of our facilities in both Canada and the U.S., and they have continued to operate. Although the rubber solutions business remains open and operational, with appropriate social distancing and hygiene measures in place, it did begin to experience a decline in volumes in early April. This decline extended into the first part of May, and we expect continued weakness throughout the month, even as many of the the tire companies have announced plans for their plants to reopen towards the end of May. Over the last few years, we have worked to diversify the range of sectors the Rubber Solutions business serves in an effort to manage any volatility in the business, especially that brought on by shifting macroeconomic conditions. We believe this is helping curb some of the volume reductions we have seen recently as the world deals with COVID-19. Again, our longer-term plan for the business remains unchanged, and we are focused on leveraging the investments we made in innovation, capacity, and product diversification in 2019. This includes using our new R&D tech center to develop higher value-added specialty compounds, as well as producing new white and colored compounds for both existing and new customers. Despite the challenges we are all facing with the COVID-19 pandemic, we believe Airbus is uniquely qualified, especially as the world continues to battle the spread of the virus and ultimately looks to recovery. We expect that broader emergency preparedness will be a key consideration for all levels of government moving forward and that ADG can help organizations both domestically and internationally address those challenges. In addition, we remain optimistic that as a recovery takes shape and businesses restart and ramp up that the strategies in place for our rubber solutions and engineered products businesses will be important contributors to long-term value creation. Until that happens, we continue to manage through this period of uncertainty, taking what steps we need necessary to both protect the health of the business and its longer-term potential. As we saw during the heart of the financial crisis in 2008, organizations with weak balance sheets emerged as possible acquisition targets. We believe that our strong balance sheets and our access to capital puts us in an excellent position to act on possible transactions, and we are carefully watching for opportunities that would allow us to support engineered product sector diversification strategy, drive rubber solutions growth in both traditional and specialty compounding, and bolt on new survivability solutions at ADG that protect soldiers, first responders, and medical personnel from a broader range of threats. With that, I will now pass the call over to Daniel for the financial review. Daniel?
3: Thank you, Chris, and good morning, everyone. As a reminder, please note all dollar amounts presented are in U.S. currency, except for dividends per share, which are Canadian dollars. Our Q1 results reflect the addition of CSI for the full quarter, which helped support our solid performance this quarter. On a consolidated basis, net net sales increased by 14.1% to 94.2 million in the first quarter. This was largely due to the closing of the ADG transaction and the addition of revenue from some of CSI's legacy products. The improvement was partially offset by some softness in the rubber solutions and engineered product segments. Recall that closing Auburn Hills temporarily generates an impact of $2.5 million per week on net sales, which translated to approximately $3.5 million for the quarter. Consolidated Gross Profit Dollars grew by 49% in a quarter, compared with the same period in 2019, with the improvement driven by all three segments and ADG having the greatest impact. Growth Profit Margin improved from 15% last year to 19.6% this year. Consolidated Adjusted EBITDA, which removes the impact of fees associated with the completion of the ADG transaction. Improved by 14.3% to $9.7 million in the first quarter, and that was up from $8.5 million a year ago. The improvement was the result of solid performance at the solutions, some realized operational efficiencies, and, of course, the growth in the defense business. Loss attributable to owners of the company was 522000 in the first quarter, or a $0.02 cent loss per share. Adjusted profit attributable to owners of the company was $1.8 million, or $0.08 per share once removing the one-time impact of the fees associated with the ADG transaction. As discussed in our Q4 call, basic and fully diluted earnings per share dropped as a result of increased income tax expense due to the non-deductibility of those transaction-related professional fees as well as the allocation of the 45% ownership interest to the minority holders of ADG, but more on that in a moment. This also explains the effective tax rate growing to 61% in the first quarter. For modeling purposes, we expect the rate going forward to be approximately 30%, but that will be subject to the profitability of certain segments and the jurisdictions in which they operate. Turning briefly to segmented data, first quarter net sales in the rubber solution segment decreased by 4.8 percent from the comparable period in 2019. The decrease in net sales was driven primarily by the conveyor belt sector, but partially offset by the mining sector. Overall volumes, which is measured in pound-ship, were 7.8 percent higher, driven by a 21.4 percent increase in polling volumes despite the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, which negatively impacted tolling orders at the end of the month of March. An increase in conventional tolling was partly offset by softness in niche applications, and non-tolling volumes for the three-month period ended March 31, 2020, also increased by 3%, compared with the same period in 2019. As a reminder, in tolling applications, we only realized net sales on the provision of compounding services for customer-supplied materials versus non-tolling where Airbus also supplies the raw material inputs that are reflected in the net sales. As such, net sales in isolation may not provide a complete picture of what's happening in the business. Despite the decrease in net sales I mentioned a moment ago, gross profit dollars in rubber solutions for the first quarter increased by 6.6 percent and were 17.2 percent of net sales and that's versus 15.4% of net sales in 2019. This increase was principally due to the higher volumes. Turning now to engineered products, which is now solely comprised of our anti-vibration business under the new reporting segments disclose, which I will discuss in more detail at the end of my financial review. Net sales in the engineered products segment for the three-month period ended March 31, 2020, decreased by 3.1%, from the comparable period in 2019. The decrease was seen across several product lines, but was also the result of the approximately $3.5 million loss in net sales following the partial shutdown of Auburn Hill, Michigan plant on March 19th, 2020, as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Despite the decrease in net sales in Q1, gross profit in the engineer product segment was 1.9 million, or 6.4% of net sales, up from 1.5 million or 4.7% of net sales in the comparable period last year. The improvement was a result of lower freight costs and continuous improvement initiatives focused on labor and overhead costs. Turning now to the newly created Airbus Defense Group, net sales in the first quarter increased by 66.9% to 35.1 million from 21 million in the comparable period in 2019. The increase was primarily a result of equipment sales from CSI that were not included in 2019 as the ADG transaction had not yet occurred. These included sales of ground-penetrating radars for CSI's Husky Route Clearance Vehicle, Bandelier Lightweighting Clearing Charge Systems, and Blast Gauge Systems currently being trialed with the US military. In addition, net sales in the legacy Airbus defense business were also up. Gross profit at ADG in the first quarter was up 97.2% to $10.7 million or 30.4% of net sales from 5.3 million or 25.7% of net sales in the comparable period in 2019. These increases were due to the reasons just discussed. In previous calls, we have talked about CapEx spending for 2020 returning to historical depreciation levels of approximately $15 million. Taking into account the continued uncertainty relating to the COVID-19 pandemic, we are moving ahead cautiously. We are currently focused on spending requirements for projects with near-term potential growth, as well as regular maintenance, where safety is a key consideration our balance sheet remains strong at the end of the first quarter our net debt to trailing 12-month EBITDA was dropped from 1.85 times at the end of the fourth quarter 2019 to 1.5 times at the end of march 2020 and our $60 million in credit facilities remain undrawn at the end of the first quarter free cash flow grew by 16.1 million to 10.6 million or 45 cents per share and we expect to fund our 2020 operating cash requirements, including working capital investments, capital expenditures, and scheduled debt repayments from cash on hand, cash flow from operations, and our committed, boring facilities. We believe our strong balance sheet will help us navigate the challenges associated with the COVID-19 pandemic and see us emerge well-positioned to execute on our growth strategy as operating conditions can cont- begin to normalize. Before opening up the call to questions, I will briefly remor- remind everyone of the changes we are reflecting in our Q1 reporting and going forward. Following closing of the transaction to create ADG on January the 1st, we now report three separate segments. First, rubber Solutions will still be shown separately, but the rubber compounding or industrial business in Actonville will now be presented within the newly created ADG segment also included in the adg segment is our defense business along with that of critical solutions international Engineered products consist of our traditional anti-noise vibration and harshness business we have reported our 2020 data and you'll find included restated data for 2019 and 2018 in our mdna for comparison purposes i would like to uh, i would remind listeners that because we have a 55 percent ownership interest in adg That in this quarter, and going forward, items below the line, such as profit and adjustable profit attributable to the owners of the company, will reflect the allocation of the 45% minority interest to the other owners of ADG, and that Arab boss of America's bottom line will be impacted accordingly, reflecting only our 55% ownership in the ADG segment. Operator, that concludes our prepared remarks this morning. I would now like to turn it back to Gren. Gren.
1: Uh, Thank you, Daniel. Uh, So in summary, we had a good quarter. We were on track for a great quarter until COVID hit mid-March. We remain very optimistic that our defense group is on a strong trajectory to significantly outperform based on a strong backlog and a very large pipeline of future growth opportunities. Obviously, Outlook for rubber and rubber products remains cloudy. However, we are starting to see some green shoots as customers in various industries begin to reopen. Uh, So with that, I will turn it over to uh, the operator for questions.
0: Thank you, sir. We will now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star then 1 on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you're using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press target then 2. We will pause for a moment as callers join the queue. Our first question is from David Ocampo with Cormark Securities. Please go ahead.
4: Uh, thanks. Good morning, everyone. Uh,
0: Good
4: morning. My first question is on, on the paper contract here. I'm just trying to get a sense on how many units have been delivered since it seems like the name of the game is execution, with FEMA recently canceling a $55 million N95 mask order with another, uh, with another vendor here.
1: Uh, Chris or, or Patrick, do you want to take
2: that? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Um, this is Chris. Hi, David. Um, we are uh, executing uh, quite nicely on the contract, on the, on the FEMA contract. We're currently running about 500 units a day. Uh, we're accelerating to about 1,000 units a day uh, next week, and we have a ramp-up chart that gets us to about 11,000 units a week uh, as we're midway through the second quarter or towards the end of the second quarter. So uh, we're uh, executing well. Our relationship with FEMA is very good. We are in constant communication with them. We are delivering this product to hospitals and first responders all over the United States. And um, and uh, the 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 feedback we're getting from FEMA is quite positive, so we're we're uh, on track, and uh, we're not too concerned uh, about that particular issue that you mentioned.
4: Okay, and and sort of on your other products, have there been any notable sales for say PPE tents or isopods uh, since the pandemic uh, started?
1: Um. We've added about uh, nine million dollars, I think, in the last six weeks or so of uh, other orders. No other uh, order of the size of the the uh, ninety-six million dollar one. However, we have um, possibilities of a, of a lot more business coming from all over the world. Okay. And, and
4: sort of how I think about your other defense sales, you, you guys had a number of tenders outstanding. Have those conversations stalled, or, or are they still sort of ongoing despite
1: the pandemic? No, uh, well, the, the, they're, um, they're all over the place, depending on, on uh, which contract you're talking about. So some have... have uh, slowed down uh, dramatically as people focus on uh, on the uh, current pandemic, uh, but uh, some of the big ones are slightly delayed, but uh, we're told that they're still going to be uh, awarded uh, pretty close to the original timeline, maybe a month or two delay.
4: Okay, that's it for me. I'll, I'll hand the call. Over.
0: Our next question is from Meggie McDougall with Stifel JMP. Please go ahead.
5: Thanks. morning. I um, was wondering if you could elaborate on the comments that you made in your uh, prepared statements around acquisition opportunities, in particular uh, areas where you are seeing some opportunity emerge and then exactly what it is you would be interested in in, a, in, a, in acquiring. Uh, you did mention products and uh, and so on in certain segments, but a bit more detail would be helpful. Thanks,
2: Chris. Do you want to pick up? Yeah, I got that. Thanks, Uh Yeah, thanks for the question, Maggie. We um, our strategy on the acquisition side, uh, as we're looking at the three businesses. You know, we have a, a strategy in the engineered products uh, group uh, to diversify our product lines to over the next five years be no more than 50% automotive and have 50% non-automotive. So we are looking for acquisition opportunities for the engineered product side, which are related to non-automotive, rubber molding or similar type processes that we can that we can accommodate uh, at the flexible products. And uh, so that's kind of what we're focusing our attention on for engineered products. On the rubber solution side, we are looking for uh, specialty compounders that are good bolt-on opportunities for uh, Rubber Solutions to continue our growth on the specialty uh, side. And we have uh, already had several discussions with people before the pandemic started, and we're continuing on with those conversations. And then on the Airbus Defense Group side, um, we are focusing our strategy again on both military growth and uh, first responder and non-military uh, health, re- health uh, care and that sort of thing. And so we are looking for uh, companies there that would be additional bolt-on opportunities uh, that would allow us to continue to expand on the first responder market and other related product lines that fit well into the survivability platform that we've developed. So all three of the businesses, we have seen opportunities. Um, We are starting to see even more opportunities now as, uh, as companies start to think about their future, particularly private companies that we're considering what they should do. Um, and we're in constant conversations with them. So uh, I can't say that anything is imminent, but um, we are uh, advancing several opportunities forward as we, as, we, as we go forward here, and I expect over the next few months for that to really accelerate.
5: Okay, thanks. Uh, perhaps a follow-up question for Daniel. I was wondering if you could tell us what the organic growth in the defense segment was on a year-over-year basis.
3: Yeah, they, uh, they grew about $3 million over last year.
5: Okay, perfect. Thanks. Um, and then uh, one final question for me. The uh, arrangement with CSI, I understand you have a right of first refusal on acquiring the remaining portion of the Airbus Defence Group that you, you do not own currently. Could you provide us with some details in terms of the timeline of when, uh, you know, the uh, minority shareholder may look to exit that position and uh, whether or not there's a formula in place around valuation, um, if you were to look at uh, buying that stake, or if another person was to look at buying that stake. Thanks.
1: So the the uh, timeline is uh, there. There's a three-year uh, no sell agreement. Uh, obviously, they could sell before that with our with with our permission, but. Um, but without our permission there's a three year no no sell <clears throat> the um the first right of refusal um is uh, is ours if we were going to do uh that obviously we would have to match um, uh an, another bid if there was a bit another bid for it uh but um, if there wasn't, uh, the agreement is that uh, we have picked uh, an evaluator, and we would go with their evaluation.
5: Okay, perfect. Thanks. I'll get back in the queue.
0: Our next question is from Scott Framson with CIBC. Please go ahead.
6: Thanks, and good morning. Uh, so just a question on ADG. The uh, transition to the uh, first responder market, uh, I assume it requires developing more and deeper relationships with new agencies and uh, influencers. Uh, will this transition result in additional costs to the uh, sales sales force? I mean, obviously, it's not going to be travel in the near term, but uh, thinking of things like uh, personnel, adding uh, new bodies uh, and uh, additional marketing expenses.
7: Patrick, do you want to take
1: that? Sure.
7: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so th- the good news is in, in in this environment, and as Chris spoke to um, in his prepared remarks, what we're seeing is a transition from this fragmented approach to a more centralized acquisition process with federal agencies, and some of which, you know, we worked with, uh as as a defense business right Uh, we've got products uh, um, that we've been marketing for decades um, through the national guard even through fema through the through cdc not to this volume because of the pandemic but we know these agencies really well so our ability to access market with these centralized agencies for large acquisition and as Gren alluded to we have a number of other proposals out there uh, beyond just fema we know how to do that, and there's no additional cost to, to the infrastructure we currently have. Beyond that, um, as we look at our strategy going forward, um, could there be some additional cost of, of, you know, more sales personnel? There could be, but nothing dramatic um, that's going to, you know, alter the shape uh, of our business in, in dramatic overhead changes. Um, you know, the nature of what ADG looks like today will be very similar. Uh, we'll still lean on um, a lot of our, our reseller and partners that we have in, in that space, Uh, we're just going to redefine our strategy to make sure we access that fragmented space better. Uh, But going forward, we're really going to continue to focus on those centralized acquisition uh, authorities uh, with the centralized government to uh, to go after stockpiling uh, and things of that nature. Um, So it's not a huge change for us as a defense company. Um, And certainly it will not uh, account to a a tremendous amount of cost.
6: So costs will scale up with uh, sales opportunities. Is that uh, fair?
7: Uh, not re- not really I I, I I to be clear i I don't see a tremendous amount of cost uh, going up i mean we we spend um, you know a budgeted budget amount on marketing every year um both in in the commercial space and um, in the defense space. but it's an intelligence fed plan right so we we don't go out and just you know vomit marketing material around the around the world we know we know where to go after because of funded requirements um so could there be a slight increase in personnel because we're growing and we want to access some more markets? Sure. Um, but again, sure. I, I, I don't think it's fair to say that costs would, would really increase. I think I think we're going to be pretty stable uh, on our costs.
6: OK, well, that's good to hear okay. in this time of COVID. There's not going to be corporate vomiting. Um,
1: just uh, one, uh, just uh, Scott, just I mean, uh, one one thing which we are implementing, which, which is a little different. Uh, to help deal with this and in particular to help or, uh, deal with the reordering so, so you know all these hospitals are going to have papers and they're going to need uh... more filters more hoods more papers that sort of thing and, and uh... to the extent that they won't come from FEMA, they'll be ordering directly so we're in the process of setting up uh, e-commerce on our website, so um, a lot of that, the small orders, will, will come uh, via e-commerce on the website.
6: That's good to hear. And just uh, back to Patrick um, on the uh, on the I guess both military and first responder side. Do you yeah. do you see additional procurement uh, like product procurement opportunities uh, getting? new suppliers uh to to um for you to wrap their products
7: yeah and we've done some of that right i I mean so we've we've identified um for example at the beginning of the covid response there were some consumables um that were primarily coming out of china um things like face shields and m95s things that the states were really focused on high volume low margin products Um, some of which were were actually good margin, Um, uh, but we didn't necessarily have in our inventory, um, you know, six months ago. And we went out and found some partners that uh, in North America were able to source and and ramp up production for those. Um, So we've identified some of those that was within our value proposition because, again, we don't want to just go after, you know, everything. We want to stay within our value proposition and and who we are as a business. Um, And and that's, that's worked um so uh, because of the success we've had uh we've had businesses coming to us saying hey it seems like you guys have access uh to the market it seems like you're well really well respected uh we have got this great product what do you think and we do a you know an evaluation process of the business of their abilities and of the product um so we've done some of that and certainly we'll do more and that's, that's a model we've been doing in defense for years
6: sounds good thanks very much
0: The next question is from Team James with TD Securities. Please go ahead.
4: Uh, thanks. Good morning. Um, first question is a uh, clarification, uh, Daniel, on the... Um you mentioned the $3 million uh, uh, organic revenue growth in defense year-over-year. Year. Does that include the kind of Actonvale-related revenue kind of within that number, or are you just speaking about defense revenue? No,
3: that wasn't that number. For, I, I understood the question with the legacy business, and so that, was, that would include uh, the, uh, the Actonvale piece. If you, if to split it in two, um, the, the, the Actonvale was down about a $1 million compared to last year. Okay, so, that 's and so defense would have been up about three or something close to four million
4: okay that 's helpful Thank you. Um, my next question on on the uh, the PPE opportunities for um, for the defense business, what other companies uh, are you generally competing with out there in this environment? I mean, who do you come up against the most i 'm sure it probably depends a little bit on the product, but um what would be the most notable companies uh that that you see trying to to sell to to the same customers
7: yeah this is patrick um you know for our for our Papper and, and, and filter space you know we 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 work uh you know up, not really up against but you know we compete with 3m uh you know the large business that that does make PAPR and first responder uh medical uh, grade pappers and, and filters um, Avon Defense, um, uh, you know, obviously on, on, the, on the chemical side, um, they do make a, a number of products for PPE um, and also for first responder. Um, there, there are a number of smaller businesses um, uh, as well, but those are, those are really the two biggest um, for us. So it's not a true, in, in our space, in the ability to make this volume. Um, there's not it's not a really saturated market. Um, there's a lot of companies, but the ability to ramp up and make, you know, a hundred thousand papers and, you know, a million filters and you know the volumes that we're talking about with with folks like FEMA and you know the states and HHS and CDC, um, it, you need a, a a tremendous amount of production uh, capability. Um, so it's really folks like 3M um, and their partners that we that we're up against. But the need is so great. Right now, that there is there truly is enough to go around um, uh, for the providers. So, okay, that's that's helpful, Patrick. This sort of leads to my
4: next question. Then, what what could get in the way of of not uh, getting these significant revenue opportunities, or, or is it really is it really nothing?
7: Well, it's just it's bureaucracy, right? As always, as a defense guy, I can tell you, and, I, and I've lived through times of of, of combat. Um, where needs are, are similar to pandemics, where people are dying. Um, and it's just, you know, there's a lot of other needs um, for, for uh, the U.S. budget outside of just the pandemic. And so, you know, bureaucracy can get in the way. Um, but right now, the focus has been very clear. Money has been flowing. As Chris said, we've been executing on a, on a, on a tremendous opportunity with FEMA. We've been getting paid. Um, and as Gren said, Uh, There is a a tremendous amount of other proposals that we've put out and that we're working on today to close. Um, So I feel confident um, that not just this year, but post-COVID-19 and and into, you know, the possibility of COVID-20 or whatever, um, that the the country has made a decision that, you know, national stockpiling needs to be improved, increased, um, and budgets will be put aside and increased uh, to make sure we're prepared. Um, So I don't see a lot of risk. Um, for us uh, to be able to access those contracts Um, we just have to make sure that we collectively as a business are bettering our products that we deliver Uh, someone made that point execution is huge so that we have that uh, in our back pocket to say look we got this contract we executed it we did a great job um, and and that we get the next opportunity so I feel very I feel very positive about future opportunities
4: Okay, thank you. Um, my next question maybe, maybe for Chris on the, on the rubber compounding. I'm just wondering if you can comment sort of sequentially uh, in terms of volumes. You mentioned obviously a downtick uh, towards the end of the first quarter and I guess more significantly here in the second quarter. Are you seeing any signs of, of is it stabilizing at least the volumes that are being shipped as we sit here today? Are they continuing to trend lower? Has there been an uptick? Any commentary on that provide would be great.
2: Yeah, we saw uh, a softening beginning uh, the last two weeks of March. Uh, April, we had a more significant softening, um, but then it stabilized and it's been pretty stable, kind of at a base level. I guess uh, you know, just like we we are an essential service, we have lots of customers that are essential services, and uh, and so we have a sort of a base load of of volume that uh, you know allows us to do to do okay. And now we're seeing towards the end of May. Uh, announcements that our key customers that did go down are coming back up again. So I think we've already stabilized and uh, we're looking kind of optimistically towards the end of March to see some of that starting to return, end of May I should say.
4: Okay, okay, that's that's great, thank you. And then uh, my final question, just thinking about cash. uh, um, over the course of 2020. Daniel, could you talk about um, cash requirements or, or generation from working capital over the the remaining three quarters of the year in particular? I think it was about $7 billion that came out of working capital in the first quarter. Uh, how does the, the rest of the year look and what are the considerations there?
3: Well, I think on the... Um you know, it's it's by business because each one has its own sort of challenges or, or opportunities. Uh, it's hard to say on on the River Solutions and, and maybe on the Michigan side because depending on how fast turned around. So far, we haven't seen any major issues with collections. In fact, we've uh, we've seen collections improve um, over over the first quarter, and we haven't seen deterioration. So it's hard to say. I think uh, to answer your question kind of generally, I think free cash, not free cash, but working capital should um, should be. Um, positive for the rest of the year just because we have uh, a lot of those big orders coming from, as you know, the FEMA order, so that's going to generate a uh, short-term working capital uh, position for us where we're able to collect within a very short period of time, so that's going to be very positive for us. Um, So I... It's hard to, to see right now to give you a specific answer, but I don't see uh any particular issues with uh you know being stranded for working capital and if some in in if in one segment there is, I think we have enough liquidity to be able to to survive in that area
4: okay actually, if I could just tack one on to the end of that I'm just recalling in the in the q one report there was a reference to some some inventory uh, some some compound i guess that was um uh, targeted for a customer that order was subsequently cancelled I think it was in the range of a million and a half or two million dollars worth I mean should we just think about that as inventory that you can sort of turn around and, and sell in the coming months to another customer what how, what happens there
3: yeah it's kind of shelf life right so I think right now we're not we're not seeing any reasons why we do to take any provisions on that or, or why we would not be able to use it uh, again it, it all depends on how long uh, this goes but there's signs that the recoveries as we've mentioned through the call so I'm not saying that being a a material item. Okay, great. Thank you very much.
0: Once again, if you have a question, please press Start and 1. Our next question is from Jonathan French with Timelo. Please go ahead, sir.
4: Hi. Uh, With regards to the future contract opportunities, I was hoping you could provide more color on ongoing discussions. You know, how far along are you in the process with some of these negotiations, and when could we expect announcements on, you know, new health care or military deals? Thanks.
2: Sure. This is Patrick.
7: Uh, So on the defense side, um, so on the defense side, uh, we are In the final stages of a a pan-European competition um, for our low-burden mask, Um, uh, it is um, currently in the final stages. Uh, We are uh, one of three competitors uh, that are remaining um, in the competition. Um, And as I think Gren alluded to, um, it has been – we've been informed um, that uh, we should expect uh, an announcement. Uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, having said that, um, having gone through competitions of this size, uh, and with COVID going on, um, you know, delays you know, were expected. Um, so um, I, I would I would hope that, that by you know uh, end of May June time frame, um, we would get an answer uh, on on that uh, on that competition. Uh, on the healthcare side, um, uh, we have a number uh, of proposals out for state agencies um, that that really span uh, a full array of uh, PPE, uh, all of ADG products, including isopods, um, pappers, filters, our boots and gloves, um, and uh, it's really anybody's guess as to uh, uh, when these will be awarded. Uh, we've seen smaller. Uh, state agencies, uh, as we talked about, um, you know, close to $10 million uh, over the first quarter that have come in, uh, uh, in addition to the FEMA order. Uh, but we're also working with large agencies outside of FEMA as well. Uh, we're just in the beginning of, of uh, some very large conversations for stockpiling needs uh, with, with the U.S. Um, uh, so uh, those, are, those are ongoing as we speak. Um, but I think that there is Um, opportunity for for some 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 larger uh, awards for our PPE our filters our masks um, our hoods um, in in the next uh, two to three months Uh, in addition we're working on some additional uh, international uh, competition right now for our isopots in the Middle East Um, right now uh, it's Ramadan in the Middle East so um, both our defense opportunities And our COVID opportunities are a little slow um, just because Ramadan uh, takes uh, precedence over everything. Um, So uh, Ramadan ends at the end of May. Um, So business will be back to usual in the Middle East. And we'll see an uptick in in opportunities there as well. So um, we're we're hoping that uh, we'll see some some contracts coming out of the Middle East, out of Saudi Arabia, out of Kuwait, uh, uh, coming to us probably by uh, the beginning of June.
0: There are no further questions registered at this time. I would like to turn the conference back over to Chris Bitzakakis for any closing remarks.
2: Thank you, Operator. And thank you again to everyone for attending this morning's call. As a quick reminder, we will be hosting our AGM at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time this afternoon and would encourage interested shareholders to attend virtually using the link provided in our press release dated April 23rd of 2020. Until next quarter, we hope you're all keeping safe and well. Goodbye and thank you again.